to the Four Jack Podcast. gentlemen welcome back to season five of the four jack podcast powered by a phenomenal relationship we have just extended with tech golf apparel company galvin green now as always we are available wherever you stream your content a massive thank you to our community that continues to support and share in our success throughout season five you can expect more untold stories more amazing achievements and a deeper dive into how golf truly impacts connects and is celebrated by many this is going to be a fun episode tonight, but before we check in with our special guest, we're going to head down to what is supposed to be warmer climates and check in with the AGM. Mr. D Lane, what's happening in SoCal? Yeah, you know, it's still weird not to be the director of golf, Parksy. It's like I'm sitting here, I moved to admin, and it's like I'm, I'm dealing with food and beverage, and I'm dealing with spawn sports, and it's like we've got this giant kind of metropolis at rolling hills and all these different facilities and it's like i'm kind of out of touch with golf so it was good to hear galvin green and we'll obviously talk a little bit of golf tonight with two of our favorite people but tonight's special for me obviously it was lucky enough through you and, and with you to set this one up but two of my favorite people two of my congaree foursome uh but more importantly two of the guys that i'm always really well taken care of so anytime i go somewhere it's like these two guys always find a way for me to be able to stand next to him in the VIP room, or if you're with Paul in the champagne room, or if you're with Austin and, you know, Austin's a little different. He's a little bit more benevolent in what he does, a little bit more sophisticated than Mr. Logan, but you know, they play well off each other. One guy has this great microphone. The other guy's got like 17 year old eye buds in like, that's just the difference of what we do. Right. But it is one of my favorite kind of podcasts because every so often we always go back to the big loud family and you and I know we've been fortunate enough to go to all these shows and travel kind of across America. And more importantly, I got to meet Ben Bridger at Pinehurst. And I've met more people through golf, through music than it seems like any other avenue. So I think tonight kind of getting into this and we'll talk a little bit later. There's a couple of big things going on, a huge album drop. And then I'm going to go see one of the artists here next week with, with Paul and play a little golf. So always nice to have these two in the room because it kind of feels like home. You've got the big loud country club shirt on and, you know, it's kind of our, kind of our jam and, you know what I was watching in prep before tonight, I was watching a Morgan Wallen video and there's this great video and Paul's one of the, the spectators behind Morgan's mom and the <laughs> camera so badly wants to go to Paul, but it has to be on Morgan's mom because like she's the star of the video, but the camera just keeps psyching left to kind of go to this beautiful 40 year old blonde kind of unbelievable creature in the stands and he's got the the big loud denim jacket on like he's all in and i'm i'm proud of these guys they've built an amazing empire and along with seth obviously and it's it's just been a really fun thing for me to get to know these guys so it'll be fun to listen to paul give us some shit and more importantly have austin jump in and i just want real good stories on paul logan that's really why i'm here for this next hour dreamy i guess we'll call this one well Without further ado, the 4Jack podcast is extremely excited to host a couple of the powerhouses behind one of the biggest record labels on the planet right now, Big Loud Music. Hailing from Nashville, Tennessee, Mr. Austin Adams, Mr. Paul Logan, welcome to the 4Jack podcast. Thanks for having us on, fellas. And I really hated that I couldn't talk the whole time you were saying that, Derek, because... Well, for the first just... time in my life... I'm the host and you have to listen, which never <laughs> happens because normally I'm at the shows. I follow you. I do what you tell me to do. I hang out with who you want me to hang out with. But tonight it's like, we just get to go straight after you. Jeez. Jeez. Hey, congrats on season five. I'm impressed you guys haven't been canceled yet, but uh, thank you for, <laughs> for having uh thanks for having me back and inviting the boss man, Austin Adams yeah. on truth. Oh yeah. Yeah. My mom hasn't kicked me out of the basement yet, but I think it's probably coming soon. So. You guys have but, to deal with us. I tell you, what, it's amazing you take really big record executives on golf trips. How you continue to stay relevant in this world. <laughs> okay, Derek, where do you want to start with these guys? I mean, there is so many amazingly massive things to talk about. So many big things happening at the label. Big loud music, big loud rock. Couple of artists that are just absolutely crazy, crazy trajectory right now. Austin, maybe let's start with you. Tell us what the hell is going on with you guys. Yeah, man, it is a crazy year this year. Uh, but I, th I feel like I say that every year, and it gets crazier each one. Um, but this year, particularly, you know, we've got so much music coming out, so many albums coming out. And when you start the year with Hardy, with a 
you know, double album rock and country. And we're in LA in January at the Troubadour and the Roxy, like just absolutely crazy. And then, you know, let's, let's take a little break and then put out a Morgan album in March, uh, of which is, I mean, this week's going to be absolutely insane with the record coming out, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Um, and then we've only got like what, Paul, like 10 more records to put out after that this year. <laughs> yeah, you forgot oh. Ernest's album just a few weeks ago, too. Ernest's album, um, and we've got uh, who we dearly love, Ern. One of the truly, if I were to say, you know, if you were to ask me what is the glue of Big Loud, it's Ern. It's it, he writes music, puts out beautiful albums. He is a personality that brings everybody together and. Earn's album is incredible, and he started a publishing company with us called Earn's Cadillac Music, and so he's just growing like crazy and couldn't happen to a better guy and another fellow golfer as well. He has been out of it because he's been so busy, but he promised me he's taking the sticks out on the road this year, so we'll see. Paul, you want to jump in here and give us a little peek behind the curtain? What's going on? What's the secret sauce? What's happening there? Yeah, I think, like Austin said, I think we're releasing an album on just about every artist we have this year. So it's uh, it's all hands on deck. I mean, every, every anytime music is released, every department is is touching it, and many hands within that department is touching it to get that music, you know, initially created and and uh, cleared and and released and marketed and you know support on radio and and exposure through film, TV, and press and it's, you know, our staff at Big Loud is incredible. It's it's a bunch of first round draft picks all working at the same place. And, uh, you know, I feel super privileged to uh, to work there. Unfortunately, I work under Austin, but um, he has. Which, by the way, let's tell a Paul story right now. Let's, <laughs> let's go. Right go. Now. Let's boom, boom, fire. <laughs> Just go. First thing first, the first time I ever played golf with Paul, which was after we hired him. Uh, we play at the Governor's Club. We're members at the Governor's Club. Love that track. And uh, I'm standing on the green on number one, just standing there because, you know, I've marked my ball. I'm waiting to putt my ball. And Paul had went down into the crap. And all of a sudden, this ball comes out and just destroys my abdomen, just straight into me. He <laughs> blades one off the mud into me first time ever we played golf together and here's the funny thing as as great as that was it wasn't until paul how long had you worked there before you realized i was your boss <laughs> all right so to back up he he is correct <laughs> i i had a a precarious lie and went for the full open face flop shot caught it a nip thin uh went screaming at my new boss uh, which I felt horrible about, but he's right. I did not know Austin was actually my boss for a while. Um, I thought just Seth was my boss until one day in the office, uh, Austin was giving me some shit. And what did you, what did, what did you say? Like, how dare you talk to me like that? I'm your boss no, or something like it that. It was somebody, Patch or somebody was with us and you said something and they go, you know, that's your boss, right? And you go, that's not my boss. Yeah. And I laughed and I was like, Paul, who approves your expenses? Who do you go to to ask permission to do things? He's like, well, you. And like, every, ladies and gentlemen, this is insight into Paul Logan. And he's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. Yes. That makes sense now. And I, I, was, I, inter I interviewed him. Like, I don't even understand. I, I was like, no, in my contract, I swear it's just Seth. So I opened up my contract and it says Seth and Austin. And it was a great day. Not just and a hat, know, okay, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's 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 some some Brahm and beauty. So so obviously, Paul, before that flop shot, that's before I sent you all the free wedges that you have. Like obviously, you weren't hitting the stuff that was good. Like right. you were still playing right. old equipment when that happened, right? Right. Clearly, it was it was an equipment issue and not a user yes. issue. Nice, well done. So what what happened after that? Austin drops to his knees in pain. He's bleeding from every orifice, and Paul what picks up and goes to the next tee and tells him to suck it up or what? <laughs> I don't remember much after that. It was hazy. Uh, it's a long ride to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I think I sucked it up, and Paul apologized profusely, and, and but did proceed to mark his ball where it fell from my stomach uh, <laughs> instead of OB on the other side of the green. Oh, yeah, it was a huge break. <laughs> Rub of the green, right? Rub of the green. Yep, always. Yep, yep. And I assume you guys have played more golf together after this. You reconciled the friendship. We're carrying on with the relationship. Everything's good. Yeah. Well, it's funny because we're talking about how I interviewed him and he still didn't realize I was his boss, but the, uh, I interviewed him and we, we were on the zoom. It was during COVID. It was 2020 and we were zooming and we were on there for like two hours and we basically talked about golf the entire time. And he ended up, he lives five minutes from me. We were both joining the governor's club and we talked golf forever and we hired him. And lucky enough, it turned out he's pretty good at his job, but I had no idea based on the interview for sure. Were you just looking for a fourth to round out the group or what? Was that the, was that the hiring process? Well, I will say this, and I hate to say good things about Paul, but the, you know, my philosophy and Seth, our CEO's philosophy and, and our partner's philosophy is uh, you know, I don't look to fill positions. I look to get great people in the company and figure out how they can make it better. And, you know, I don't need all the details of what you've done, what you've done, to, uh, what you've done in your career necessarily to understand from talking to you. You're a great person. You have great energy. I can tell you have knowledge and um, you're going to make our company better. And Paul was one of those guys where Seth suggested I interview him. I did. And uh, I could tell right away he was he was going to be somebody that's going to help our company and and uh so yeah that's kind of how it happened paul you're gonna to have to push your camera back a little bit your head can't truly fit in the whole screen right? so <laughs> i was just thinking how great this was that we have it recorded that something nice was said about yeah. me well here i am here i'm old enough thinking all i can think is the pixies video where they're not trying to be in a video and frank black when they, they go out and his head gets bigger with him and kim deal every time and like paul's literally just just leaning back in the chair so that we can all see on the screen and it's like austin's smiling and it's like when when parksy releases the socials on this one it's going to be fun to kind of see how all of this works out Oh, we'll zoom, his, we'll zoom his head for sure. Don't worry. No one's asked me how it's worked out with Paul. That was my initial thought. <laughs> Listen, as long as you guys keep sending tickets, everything's working out great. I'm fantastic with it all. Uh, but we do play, you know, that started our uh, relationship and, and, and golf really made us become uh, great friends and uh, kind of started this whole Big Loud Country Club thing was our love of golf and then finding out how, you know, through COVID, right? Everybody, all these artists were home. They couldn't tour. And just like the rest of the world, what do they start doing? Playing golf. Right. Because it's the only thing you can do. And so it just was the perfect timing. And with all of that, that we were able to, to get involved and start this big loud country club thing, uh, with our artists and friends and in the music business. And, uh, it's been awesome. Yeah. So we've, we've played a lot of golf, mostly on the weekends when we can get a chance and, and we're very blessed uh, you know, we complain about this inside and then we realize people outside would hate us for complaining about traveling to shows and going to uh, experience these great things that we do. But one of the blessings of it is when we travel, we have some artists that love to play golf. So we have to be there for the show. We have to be there for, you know, sync and press and whatever else it is and um, to support our artists. But because they love to play golf, we usually have a day where things are down and we get to go to Rolling Hills and, and play with Derek and Luke and, and hang out and enjoy ourselves. And it's just kind of become a part of the culture. Well, that was what I was going to talk about. And Paul and I were talking offline in Austin. Obviously you and I've had the same conversation. We just, we just saw each other at Hardy shows in January but it's like you've really kind of noticed that whether it's the boys in Pinehurst with Ben, obviously not only you, but Riggs and those guys, or you think about, you know, all of the people on the West Coast, they're doing the same thing, right? Everybody golf is kind of intertwined between musical artists. There's such a big thing. And when even when, you know, like my least favorite tournament is I'm such a pebble guy that sometimes I really kind of get annoyed watching Jason Bateman shoot 172 at pebble when Jake, obviously, you know, and obviously Paul and Jake and you guys are friends and obviously he's got some big, loud connections, but you kind of miss the whole option of Pebble because you, I just don't want to see that. I want to see it being played the way that it's supposed to be played because 
let's be honest, I'm an asshole in that regard, but in the thought process of let's talk a little bit about the music and kind of that synergy with what it is with golf. Like you said, on an off day, most of your artists, I mean, God, we've sent so many sets of golf clubs to big loud to try and help you guys understand that I want to be partners. And obviously I'm going to see Ben in a couple of months at Pinehurst and him and I talk offline a lot about what it's like to have you guys as family. Like he's the East coast guy and I'm the West coast guy, but let's talk a little bit about what it feels like between you and Paul with with Morgan who plays and with Hardy who plays and with a lot of the guys like Jake and these guys, Ernest, like they're all a big part of this game that Chris and I love so much. There's got to be kind of this symbiotic thought process between your music and golf, that artistry going forward. And, you know, obviously Paul can play a lot. He's a great player and you're coming up and, and when we played in Congaree, like by the time you were done, you were happy with a lot of the golf shots. We had this great time and, Tell me a little bit about what golf means to music and how you guys kind of intertwine between you and Paul and, and that sport between music. Yeah. I mean, it's golf's a great equalizer, you know, it's especially during COVID known, like Austin said, none of these artists could, could do much. And, you know, it, it's, you know, here's an example. I remember when I met, uh, I was, I was about to meet Darius Rucker back when I worked at Spotify and I was super nervous because you know, Hootie and the Blowfish grew up as a big Hootie and the Blowfish fan. It's like, what do you, what do you say to Darius Rucker? And I remember, you know, that guy plays a lot of golf. I'm just going to ask him, how's your golf game? And I did. And that was it. And we, that got the conversation going. And it's just this, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do, but, but golf just kind of brings everyone together to this extremely vulnerable, humbling, agonizing game. Uh, and, you know, we, we just, we want our, our artists to be happy. I mean, if, if we can provide a way where when we're out on the road and, you know, if they've got seven hours to kill instead of just sitting around, if they can go play golf, meet new people, get away from it. And we really don't even talk that much work when we're out there. Honestly, it's, it's making fun of each other and, you know, having a good time talking about anything other, uh, other than music, to be honest. It's Absolutely. that great escape, right? I mean, like you said, it's the it it levels the playing field for everybody, regardless of what social stature you are, what, how big of an artist you are. Everybody's equal when they tee it up. But but literally, does it really remove the ego from these guys? Are they still Hardy out there? Are they still Morgan out there? Or are they just a golfer like everybody else? They're st I mean, look, their personalities. You can't take pull that country out of those boys. But at the same time it's no matter and you guys know i mean you know chris i never played with you but i'm sure you're a great golfer derek's obviously a great golfer and paul too but the when you take someone no matter how powerful they are how great they are huge celebrity when you bring them on a golf course none of that matters it's all about golf now for good or bad Right. Sometimes you're these guys, just like all of us, get nervous around being each other because you want to swing well. But I think if I took Morgan and Hardy to play with my cousin who plays for the U, I mean, my nephew who plays for the University of Louisiana, they would be so nervous around him and talk about him the whole time. You'd have Morgan and Hardy talking about a 19 year old kid because, oh man, that swing's so good. Did you play in that tournament in Las Vegas? You know, that's what they care about. And to me, it, it levels all of that like paul said and it allows you to be vulnerable and if you're vulnerable you have to have trust and so golf creates trust and friendships because of that you have to be vulnerable you have to hit bad shots and be okay with it and look over at someone you may be you know hardy's rocking twenty thousand faces later that night but if he hits a bad shot he looks over and goes dang man oh man and we're like it's good dude and and it's a uh it's a it's a wonderful experience in that way that it brings everybody down to a level regardless of money success any of that and it also allows us you know i said when i used to, i was an entertainment attorney before i came to coo uh, for a long time and i always said you can take somebody to lunch or dinner five or six times and they won't know you as well as you taking to play golf once. Do you think Paul was go ahead, Austin? Go ahead. Yeah. Say, no, do, you go think, ahead. do you think Paul's tenure at Big Lao would have been different if his first round of golf with you would have been his job interview? Oh yeah. He, <laughs> he would have ended right hard. there. Never been hard. He'd still be at Viacom. 
Oh, that's that you're not he's you're not wrong and hey ap when the first thing that darius was he three hours late like he was every single time i was supposed to play golf with the quarry uh he was not but again i just okay. i want to go back and reiterate that the that was an equipment issue when i hit austin that was Correct. not a yeah. user issue so i would have been able to blame that i mean you you leapfrogged jake owen with new equipment it wasn't even close leapfrogged <laughs> You know, it's funny when you mention Jake, he's, he's obviously gotten to do some incredible things and, you know, playing in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Phoenix Open Pro-Am, ACC. I mean, he's Jordan Spieth's partner at Pebble. It's, it's super admirable. And I, I remember one time Austin and I were playing with him at Golf Club of Tennessee. And I shout asked out David, him, shout out David Hardwick, no longer there, yep, but shout out yep. David. Um, you know, I, I told him, I was like, man, I, I struggle with anxiety issues and stuff. And I got to know, like, how do you go and play golf in front of all these people and next to Jordan Spieth and you do it well? I, you, I mean, this year at Pebble, he had an ESPN plus feed just on his group. And he said, honestly, I just, I, I try and think of it like I, I want to show off. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to get this thing in my head that tells me watch this. And I've tried that a little bit. It, it obviously works better for Jake because he is a show off, but uh, it, it's just funny, you know, what, what this game can do. It's, 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 it can make you so nervous sometimes and, and humbling this, this equalizer. And, you know, Austin's even said to me, sometimes he feels a little bit of pressure playing with me, which I didn't understand. But when he explained, it, he's like, look, you and I play so much. And then when I leave, I go home, I work on all these things. I feel like I make great progress and I feel like I want to show you that. And, but then I got it because there's times where I, I play with Derek a lot and I get nervous. I'm like, why am I nervous playing with one of my good friends? But it's because I'll text Derek like, Hey, I shot even par today or I shot under par. I'm so excited. And then I go and play with Derek again. And I feel like I have to carry that over, which is just ridiculous. That's not how golf works. Uh, especially when I, I swear the only courses Derek and I seem to find each other playing are extremely difficult courses like Congaree and, and Pinehurst, which bring me to my knees. But, uh, you know, that's just the beauty of golf. Austin, who was instrumental in your introduction to the game? Because we've had Paul on the show before and he's kind of talked through that. But I'd like to know from your perspective, who introduced you and what was your upbringing through kind of that junior golf world into, you know, teenage years and onwards? Oh, yeah, it was my grandfather bob potter we called him opa because he was living in holland when he had his first grandchild and uh truly the international international man of mystery most interesting man in the world war hero uh, was an engineer and oil and gas and lived uh, completely around the world played golf everywhere could hold a room like nothing and he loved golf so i'm like i want to be this guy so he brought me into golf, and I'll never forget, he was living in Houston. We played, uh, he was a member at Sugar Creek Country Club, and I was probably 10 years old, and I uh, was playing with his clubs with him, and I parred a hole for the first time. And it he was so proud of me, and it just changed my life. I was like, this feeling right here is what I want. And uh my dad played a little bit, but he hurt his back and never really played much. Uh, my brothers would play some, uh, but it, but I, I always loved it, always played. Um, but that's where I got my start for sure. Was it a, was it a high school thing, or was it more of like a social thing, or did you just kind of do it as for, recreation? I did it. You know, I always had a couple of friends that liked to play, so you know, I always found a way to play. Uh, I ended up one of those things where it's like back then it was like golf was the second thing. It's like, I had all these group of friends where we were like, do anybody play golf? Like I play, I play. And so we were like found four of us that played and we would go play and, and loved it. And uh, we belonged to a country club at my home, mostly for the swimming pool and the Sunday buffet. But uh, you know, so we got to go to golf camp and, and play, but it wasn't until I always did it for fun it wasn't until I got to law school that I decided to get serious and get rid of the slice and figure out how to draw a ball and take some lessons and, and do all that. And that's kind of where it, it amped up for me. I had a buddy named Joe Giglio uh, who would always get a cocktail on the way out of the bar and say, uh, one more for the ditch is what he would say. But uh, 
Joe uh, was a great golfer and, and got me really excited. And, and that's kind of where it amped up for me, for sure. Awesome. I know, Paul, you, you played quite a bit growing up. And Was there any sort of passion there, something about maybe pursuing this as a career? Or was there always just separation with golf with you? Uh, yeah, I loved it growing up. Would have loved to have been a pro if I didn't suck. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I quickly realized I was not going to make it to that next level. And I actually, I got actually kind of burned out and took several years off and I'm glad I did because I just kind of refell in love with the game all over again after that. Nice to have so, a good hookup too. Exactly. And, and, you know, we talk about this and obviously we, you know, Parksy was part of it when we went back in and, and the two of you and, and Mike Olahardy were, we were at Congaree and we kind of had an amazing experience and that those three days kind of changed how I thought, you know, I'm, I've always been very anti-celebrity and anti-star because I always felt like their time was necessarily, they wanted to kind of recede on a golf course. So I always wanted to protect them and make sure that they got that comfort and they didn't have to search for what it is. They always wanted to, you know, be quiet and not be, you know, almost be anonymous. And Paul, you and I have talked about this forever. And I remember when we were having this conversation, we were sitting on the deck with Hardy and, we were just talking about songwriting, publishing, and, and all of the different ways that you can make income and, and make money in Nashville. And it was really kind of fascinating to me because I didn't realize how much Hardy was a songwriter as much as he was an artist, right? And you guys kind of brought me into that world and you told me a lot about that. But now when you look at it and you look at this songwriting between Ernest and Morgan and Hardy, I mean, like they kind of own a lot of the charts right now. And there's such a creative outlet to that. And I remember when Hardy was really talking about it, it was like it was so easy to express how he felt when it comes to putting things to words. And like I remember he was given this great story about when he wrote Heaven and Hell and he was like, we just said, stop. OK, everybody go get a cup of coffee, leave the studio. We've got what we got. We'll come back and we'll finish this kind of the way we want to. And then we went out and we proceeded to drink Congaree out of IPAs in cans. And it's like this whole thought press, right? And it's like you saw Hardy just kind of look like he got to get away from the real world because nobody could really touch him there. So let's elaborate a little bit. You guys obviously are around these guys a lot. And Morgan's the biggest star in country music as there is. And Hardy's not far behind on the rocket ship that he's on with the album that just came out. And you've got Ernest and all these guys. Let's talk a little bit about that anonymity of when these guys go play the sport that we're talking about on this podcast, or when they go do things and they can get away from the world, like write and enclose themselves in a room where nobody can touch them. Is there that separation between church and state about really feeling what it is your talent is versus being able to kind of express what you do for a living? Like that's got to be a really fine line, especially in Nashville when everybody's recognizable. Oh, you're pointing at me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're in the hot seat. I mean, well, you're yeah. a former artist, so you get it. I, yeah, I guess. I, I definitely was a failed songwriter and fronted a lot of bands that you've never heard of. Uh, but the, um, yeah, it's, well, you know, the great thing about country music is it's in Nashville, to be honest. And the community in Nashville around country music is a safe place. And I think it's because a lot of it is based in songwriting. And when you write a song in Nashville, you know, and a lot of these great, my favorite, the Rolling Stones and Black Crows, all these great people, they wrote music differently than the songs that were written for George Strait. They wrote in the studio, they wrote late. In Nashville, you wake up in the morning, you're a songwriter, you make your lunch, you go into the office and you sit there and you write songs with people and get to know people. And some of my favorite times in Nashville was in these rooms, getting to know people while you spilled your guts and created a song out of it. And when your community is based on that kind of vulnerability and that kind of relationship, it allows you to have a community that supports each other and and that's and I can't speak, you know, I've worked a little bit in other genres, of course, but um, and I can enough to know it's different. And it this allows them to be these things, to be these songwriters, to go out there, to also be an artist, to come home in Nashville where there's no paparazzi most of the time and uh, and and be able to be who you are. And I don't know if that answers your question, Derek, but it's. It's that's why Hardy Morgan is an amazing songwriter. Hardy is an amazing songwriter, 
uh, uh, Ernest is a ridiculous songwriter, and it it is that kind of web that weaves through all of them that holds them all together. Well, you know, and obviously we know through the the years of this podcast that I'm just a musical junkie, but like Ernest in the Salvage Yard or Hardy doing this concept album that I, you know, like I said, I know as somebody who loves music as much as I do, and Paul and I and you have talked about this at length, like I'm not sure Hardy's album drops in a major label, right? Like you're talking two different genres. So like one of the greatest musical experiences of my life is the Troubadour for one and then we go to the, you know, we literally go to the, the rock venue and then we meet at the Rainbow. So it's like you're taking the three biggest L.A. clubs of all time and we're doing all these things and people are dropping in. And it's like Hardy was born to sing Soundgarden rock kind of music, right? He's happy. He loves the genre. It's how he grew up. But yet when he writes a really classical country song and there's nothing really classical anymore about it, but like the thought process of weight in the truck and it's like. I'm lucky enough that I get to hear little previews and snippets from you guys of these songs. And it's like, you just see, you can see where the world is going, right? So like you go to YouTube and now Morgan drops three songs and you guys are going to talk about this a little later with the album drop, but it's like, you just get these, all of them just boom. You just know when you hear it, it's like one, one and one, right? Like, you know, it's going to go that route. Or when you see Hardy, like you sing, you know, like one of the new songs, Red, like you can see him and Morgan sing. And then he goes into the other side, like radio song, just this amazing, just brutally fun rock song, just all of these things. And then when we go out on the golf course, you can see that same expression, right? Like Hardy loves to swing hard. He just wants to get after every shot. He's never laying up. It's not about the score. It's about how much can I pull off? And it's like, for me, Mr. Conservative running a private country club and, you know, Parksy and I talked about this all the time. Like I'm very conservative in my professional life. I don't think about chances because I got to take care of people that pay my salary. And then you see these artists, it's like, they're not afraid of anything. So like when Paul was talking about Jake being on Pebble, like I can see Jake being okay with taking that shot. Whereas Paul and I are going to lay up almost every single time on 18. Mm -hmm. We're not doing that because that's not how we think because our job is to kind of be support and help and all of these things. And I just think that this nature and this relationship between golf and, and music is so real and it doesn't matter what genre you go to, which rock, soft, jazz, I think they all love the expressionary thought process of how we play the game. But one of the things that I remember Paul said, and it was really brilliant at this time, he's like, hey, my job is to put it out. Their job is to keep it out there. And I just thought that was really true because like, it's the way they play golf, right? Like you express everything, but when we watched Hardy at Congaree or when I've played with him at Rolling Hills, or, you know, we're playing with the other guys, like they're going to try and take every great shot and make something really matter because that's what they're going to take away. They're not worried about the loss. And I think that's just the difference, right? These guys have put it all on the line. They do this in front of 20,000 people. As you said, every night, they put their guts and soul out there. They put their their heart on the line there's no faking what they do musically you can't really you can't bullshit anybody when you're singing that song and i think there's a lot of truth there and i i really really remember when paul and i had this great conversation over probably 78 beers and it was just and like now. hey exactly it's like hey what are you going to do when these guys really come to the realization that what they do is artistry and it's kind of that same thought process so that's why we love having you guys on and you guys do such a great job of kind of putting that out there with your artists and thinking about the golf. And, and like I said, we've taken trips and we do all these things, but in the end to watch them kind of be normal, I guess is the only way I can explain that. Like, what does it mean to you guys with that normality of these guys when they're no longer the biggest artists in the world, they're just your friends playing golf. Like that has to be rewarding for the two of you in your office. Yeah. yeah. I keep looking at each other. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, Paul and I were talking about today, we were in my office kind of talking about the podcast and kind of telling some stories to each other about some of our fun we've had, but having playing golf and with Big Loud. And, but one of the things we talked about was, you know, these guys are, you know, if you were a lawyer or an insurance, like the artists are our clients, right? They're the people that we work for. Like we work for those guys and including Seth and Joey and Craig, our bosses, but we work for these guys. And so to be able to spend time and go out on the golf course and, and, and have some downtime and some human time and to get to know each other is huge. Number one, they enjoy it. Number two, it allows us to make a personal relationship 
Um, and, and that's what it's all about. And if we can do that with them and get to know them better, it helps us help them more. It helps them relax. It helps us relax. It breaks down barriers. And, you know, it's crazy because, you know, Paul and I, like Morgan and Hardy and Ern and all these guys, Jake, like they're superstars. I mean, if you go to a concert and there's 30,000, 50,000, however many people screaming their heads off. And these are the guys that we were just making fun of on the golf course, you know, or being made fun of by if you're Paul on the golf course. <laughs> well, that was played. good. That was good. Very good. I got to say, so Derek kind of set this up well because uh, his little segue into like, you know, the separation between the superstar artists and, and the ever sort of equalizing platform golf is, but like you guys have that same experience in the office. You have big loud, which we all kind of know we've been pumping that for a while and talking about it, but there's this evolution of big loud rock that's happening. And, and Derek kind of touched on that, but Talk to us about that whole conception and how that incubation's sort of taken a life on. Yeah, so Big Loud Rock, we we're very excited about Big Loud Rock. And, you know, we've always wanted to grow, right? And 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 we, we love country music, and it is our bread and butter. It is what we do. But to grow and to be able to share music making and songwriting with all genres uh, and, and growing throughout the, the world, is is our goal and so big loud rock was a great opportunity um to we have a great guy named greg thompson who's a legend in the music business who who oversees that for us and some other wonderful uh, aj and lloyd and some great people that work in there that were able to to put together something uh that we weren't doing out of nashville so those guys are based out of la and new york and there's some people in chicago and we have some people in nashville and um, it allows us to expand. And what was really awesome was they were doing great. We have, you know, oh my gosh, let down, blame my youth. So many great rock acts on that album that we're that are doing great and we're so excited about. But when Hardy's record, and you asked this question a little earlier, Derek, like would that album come out on another label? I don't think so. I agree. Not a major label. I, I just, I think that, the great thing about Big Loud is we are so artist friendly that it's we we're not trying to change what you do. We're just trying to support it and help you get through it and help you make that piece of art that is you. And Hardy's piece of art is that's the beauty of Hardy. It is country and rock and it is on both sides and he's great at both of it. And some songs are combined and some songs are extreme on each side. And so the great thing about Big Loud Rock is we're able to have this rock side of the album and have that label come in and help promote it on the rock side and our country label promoted on the country side. And we're seeing success in both genres. I mean, it's getting played on Ozzy's Boneyard Station uh, as well as the highway, like, but different songs and different people working it. And so it's just, it's just natural and it's, it's, uh, it feels really good. Well, you know, and the thing is, is, is when Paul and I were discussing this, like we, uh, you guys were obviously very busy and we did the Troubadour and the Roxy, but another thing is, is that the world has turned a little bit, right? Like everything's personal. And so like when, the, when the Mockingbird and the Crow came no. out, like you, you could literally take that as a shot, right? Like that wouldn't have been taken, like there are people who would have been pissed off in the old, like I've been lucky. I worked with McGee Entertainment and Doc was a member forever at the quarry and then Irving Azoff and, and all of his his things were there. And it's like, you could see artists, but like, you know, when I'm with you guys and I travel and you see you 2 or I see Daisy or I see other people that are always part of the world, like everybody's kind, they're young, they're energetic. Like you guys have a different formula for what it is you do. So Paul, talk to me a little bit about that whole thought process. I remember when you kind of let me behind the curtain with that Hardy concept album, how a lot of people wouldn't have done that or what's coming with Morgan or how Ernest and, and some of the live stuff he does so well, just acoustically with him and a guitar. Talk to me a little bit about that family because your guys is, I mean, I've been very lucky to go to a lot of shows. It's very young. It's very, very passionate, but all of these people really, really believe in the cause that you guys have. And I think that's a special thing. I mean, let's be honest. You guys are, I mean, Paul, obviously you're younger than I am, Austin, you're my age. And it's like, that's a very youthful label. There's a lot of things and passion and people that are pushing what you guys believe in. And I think that's a pretty special story that should be told. Yeah, I think the, the staff 
we it, it starts with our absolute love of these artists you know we're we're lucky that we are a smaller independent label and all of our artists they are insanely talented i would they, they wouldn't you know we have an incredible a and r team they would not be on our label if they were not incredible artists you know we're not looking for one-off artists who make one great song on TikTok and then you never hear from them again. I mean, we're, we're looking for artists and songwriters and uh, you know, you, you mentioned blame my youth and what's, what's cool is that Hardy's got blame my youth opening for him on his tour right now. So it starts with blame my youth. And then it goes into his buddy, Jamison Rogers, who's a country artist. And then Hardy shows golfer. Yeah. Jamison's an incredible golfer. Yeah. Um and then it goes in, into Hardy's, you know, country and rock. And, you know, we, we all love each other so much um, with the exclusion of, of Austin, uh, Austin's affection towards me, of course. But, uh, you know, our artists hang out a lot outside, too. I mean, some of these guys are, are super great friends. And just working there, you end up being friends with them. Like, you're not trying to. I'm not trying to force anything, but it's sometimes it's just so easy to get along with these guys because they're so personable and they leave the ego at the door and, you know, they realize that we, we bust our asses off to, to help do everything we can to help them. I mean, at the end of the day, they're the artists, they make the, they write the music and we're there to help do everything that we can, but you know, we're, we get so much energy from them. I mean, I remember the first time we heard the the song show the mockingbird and the crow, my mind was blown. I, I was like, this is nuts, like in a good way. And, and, and there are not other labels who would release this because it's some of those songs are out there. And, and then he wanted to do a claymation video for the song mockingbird and the crow. And we were like, Oh my God, that song's five minutes long. That's going to cost five hundred thousand dollars but one of our video guys was able to find some guy in the uk who was like no i'll do this uh so we like i said earlier we we had by the way AP, ap he nailed the glasses right <laughs> claymation he nailed the glasses it so was actually, so good i want what's cool is i wanted to get that figurine for hardy because i thought that would be such a cool thing to have but the claymation artist said it's not like regular clay it's this very malleable material that essentially will melt if you leave it for too long so he's like i i can mail it to you but it's going to end up a, a puddle of, of clay <laughs> or mud puddle of mud yep puddle of mud there you go i gotta say yeah that's a sneaky little uh foreshadowing but how much influence do you guys really have because i heard a quote today actually said something about the movie industry how the big big labels the big big industry people they can really get in and meddle and and essentially fuck up a chocolate chip cookie so how much influence and how much meddling do you guys have and are you really trying to get in there and mess with the cookie or no 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 and that's you know and look look all the labels in, in nashville i have friends at all of them they're all great but you know that's the difference between big loud and a lot of labels is no we're not trying to tell you how to make your cookie we're trying to help you make your cookie. Right. And, and now we have some ideas, but you know, there's a word that comes up a lot in contracts and big loud that don't come up a lot in some other places. And it's the two words mutually approved. Right. And that is we work together. And so meaning like, we're not going to make you right? don't let's agree. And then I can't tell you how many times there have been times where we were like, okay, well, that's your thing. You go with it, whether, you know, we agree with it or not, because we are an artist company. We want to support art. And now we're lucky enough that, you know, Joey Moy and Seth England are two of the absolute best song people you will find on this earth. And 100%. I believe, and I think everybody in our company believes, it is all about the song. It is, now granted, we're blessed to have performers like Hardy and Morgan and Jake, and uh, and we're leaving out uh, Jake Worthington and and, and uh, Laura Lena and all kinds of other amazing performers, but we're mostly talking about the, the people that play golf, but 
that we're lucky to have performers that can sing and perform the mates, but it is the song. And when the Ernest of the world, the Morgans of the world get together with the Seths of the world and the Joeys of the world, and they pick songs, that is where the magic is. And that's what I think we do best. It's like the Michelin star level of the chocolate chip guys, right? The chocolate chip cookie guys. So that's pretty awesome. I got one final question for you. I'll throw it over to Derek to close this baby down. When you guys are in the process with the artists, how magical is that experience? Or are you totally removed? Not to say that you're trying to steer them, but like when, when the creative process is flowing, what what kind of magical experience is that for you guys? Yeah, it's some probably you know, uh, you know, because our experience is a little different because we do different things. But um, and, and everybody in our company is involved in different ways. But generally, when they're writing songs, they're in there on their own, and they bring them out and they show them to us. And in the recording process. Joey's in there with them and we're able to go in and I it's not unusual for me to go walk down and sit in the studio with Joey and listen to them sing and and uh, or go to the tracking process and see that um, and it is and we encourage our executives to go do that and and anytime we get a chance and it is amazing and it is humbling to go in and hear some of these singers take one pass at a song and sound how amazing it is. And they're like, no, nah, I didn't get that. I'm going to go back. And it's to see that process is absolutely incredible. And, you know, to see the excitement of the songwriter's face when they come into my office and say, I'm going to play this. This is amazing. And, you know, they're not playing it for me because I'm going to go, oh, let's go get Morgan to cut this. That's not my job. They're just excited. And to see that excitement, it is the passion that runs through the company. And because, and here's the thing, this is what's different about Big Loud than anybody else, other than the people that we have, which is absolutely amazing, is that we're an old school model. We're a Motown model. We have publishing company, management company, record company, and all these people work together. And so a songwriter comes out, so if you're at a different record label, there's a songwriter across town that wrote this song a year ago. We have a songwriter come out that day, have this amazing song, walk down the hall, play it for somebody in A&R who goes, oh my gosh, who gets it over to somebody else. The next thing you know, it's in the studio and the whole company is around it and excited. That's the creative process that you just don't get in other places. Very cool. Well, you know, in the last part before we end the show is before I do this, it's it's I have one last question. But, Paul, you and I have talked extensively how we really have each other's best life. Right. So I love what I do. I'm lucky enough. I was a director of golf forever. And now I'm moving into the management side of a club. Hopefully I can make a bigger difference there. Paul is one of these musical people that gets to be able to touch television and media and he gets to put songs in there, which would be my dream. Cause like, I mean, nothing better for me than taking an edible and just spending six hours on YouTube going, where would this go? And I send pictures to Paul all the time. Like, have you heard this? Have you done this? Have you heard this? And he's like, Hey, shithead. That's my job. Like I get what you're doing and it's great that you want to be me, but like, you're not. And it's like, okay, great. Then go, you know, put it on the back tees and peg it up and tell me how it goes. Like, all right, if you want to be a dick, I can be a dick too. But we have this thing where like, I have this unbelievable belief that music basically cures all. I really do. And I'm so blessed that Austin and Paul are two of my closest friends and they take me places and they let me experience the side of the stage of what it's like. And I've been lucky enough, like Paul's, like, Austin said earlier, I've been on the side of the stage of the Rolling Stones because of my affiliation with the country club I was at. I've been lucky enough to see the greatest artists multiple times because I'm an addict. There's no other way to say it. I'm a musical addict. Like it is my drug. And when I think that you guys get to wake up and you're making differences in this thought process and you guys are having the biggest album that might drop in Nashville in the last 25 years, I really believe that, right? Like you're talking 30 plus songs of an artist that's going to change the way we go. And, and like, and Paul can't say this out loud because he works for the label, but Paul's like, bro, just trust me. I say there's not a dog in anything. Like it's the best, like, just trust me. I tell you, it's going to change things. And you guys love to compete in the golf side of it. 
your hope is that your stallion beats any other stallion in the city, right? And you're going to go through all of these things. You're going to talk about how your album is going to be great. And then Hardy's doing this concept album and Ernest is doing this amazing songwriting album. And then you hear Larry Fleet sing and it's just this voice of an angel and all of these things. And Paul gets so tired of me texting, like, just stop for a couple of minutes. Like, I get you love YouTube, but I don't need to do everything you're doing. But tell me a little bit about the future of 23, because you guys have to be looking in at each other going just with that little wink and in this great thing between the two of you guys and, and Austin and Paul, for those that don't know, have this unbelievable communication without saying anything, right? Like obviously Austin's in a different side of the, the business than Paul is, but you guys work so well together. And Seth is just this amazing kind of leader and what he's doing with Morgan. But tell me about 23 for our listeners and the Canadians and those that might not be the most proficient with Nashville Let's talk about what you guys think, because don't you guys think you're going to rule the world in a few months? Nah. <laughs> no, and, and, and by the way, this I'm is the four Jack podcast. And like I said, there's no bullshit. Like, I don't give a shit about woke golf. And, you know, I love myself some Liam. I don't care about live golf. I want to live in the center that is our worlds. And I want you guys to be a little boisterous. I want you to step out on that plank that you might not always want to do. But let's talk about what Hardy's doing and on that rocket ship that he's on. And let's talk about Morgan and what he's dropping. Let's let's just go ahead and say, you know what? We really are pushing that envelope in a way that nobody else is. Because I think you guys really are. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't musically believe that just because you guys are my friends. But more importantly, this is the shit I love. This is my passion. And I don't get to work in it. I can't fathom what it's like to work in the year that you guys are going to have coming up. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a ooh, what was that sound? I like that. I like that. Uh yeah, 23 is it's gonna be a massive year. I mean, you mentioned Morgan's record, 36 songs coming out, and the songs are amazing. They are so good. I I when I listen to some of them for the first time, I just smile because they just nail it. And a lot of the people that he writes with that consistently, they just nail it. They know Morgan, they know what works. And a lot of our in-house guys write with them. They, it, it's just, they have a recipe for success, but they also do it in a way without being cliche. They come up with, and Hardy's a genius at this, coming up with ways to say what you think he's going to say, but says it in a completely different way and just mind fucks you because you're like, damn, that was amazing. And I, I'm very excited for you guys to hear the Morgan album. I mean, he's, it, it's going to be a, an, an unreal year for him. I mean, he's starting off his global tour in Australia next month. Um, he is playing. It, it's just crazy when you look at the places he's playing. Uh, you know, when I, when I started at Big Loud almost three years ago, I knew we had a lot of incredible artists and Austin's been there longer than me. But when you look at the places he's playing, like two sold out nights at Wrigley Field, two sold out nights at Fenway Park, sold out at SoFi Stadium you know, sold out Arlington where the Rangers play. It's just, it's almost hard to believe because what this label started, how long ago, Austin? Seven years ago, maybe? Uh, it's like 2015, basically. 2015. Yeah. Uh, it's just been a, an incredible ride. Um, so yeah, I, I feel incredibly lucky to be there and to watch this, to get to play a small part in it. Um Awesome. What what you got? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, yeah, Morgan, uh, you've heard Hardy's record, Earn's record, both incredible, both big years for both of them. Morgan's record is sick and ridiculous. And I will tell you, you know, just like Hardy's record, just like Earn's record, my favorite records are records that give you some of what you've heard before that you loved, but then give you something new that you love. And that's exactly what all three of those records are. If you you know, to use Morgan as an example, if you liked his first record, if you like Dangerous, you're going to love this record. If you want something different and new that you hadn't heard before, you're going to love this record. It, I don't care what genre of music you like, you're going to love this record. So I love the growth there, but I'm I'm really excited about a lot of the new stuff we have coming out. I mean, there's a guy, Jake Worthington, oh my God, from Texas, so country, so good, uh, coming out uh, that no one's heard of yet. Um, Lauren Watkins uh is another act that oh my gosh wait till she hits the scene amazing um we've got larry fleet's new is working on new music that is just absolutely incredible 
Uh, we've got Lorna Lena, who we've signed, who is working on a record, and she is a powerhouse. Uh, and then we've got Mackenzie Porter's working on new stuff. Jake, oh gosh, Jake Owen, some of his stuff he's I've heard out of the studio is absolutely great. And um, so there's there's a lot of music coming out from Big Loud, and I haven't heard anything that I didn't love. Ashley Cook's stuff, like, um, and some new artists we have. So I think you know, as Patch says, you know, rising tide raises all ships, right? Like the tide is rising at Big Loud. And it is a fun ride and you want to get on board and, you know, enjoy everything because there's not much bad coming out of this place for sure. Well, you know, Parksy, uh, I'm going to go see Hardy in a couple of weeks. I'm going to hook up with Paul after just another tough week in Cabo. And so, you know, we're going to do the things. But more importantly, it's Hardy said he would love to come back on the show, but I've got to get past Tracker and then I got to get blessed and a bunch of other things because now that he's a good luck getting past Tracker. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I'm going to try, but we're going to do it everything we can. I'm just going to see what I can do. But that being said, I appreciate you letting me do the music pod tonight because these are two of my favorite people in the world. And they both know it. They both know that we're going to travel. We're going to continue to play our Congaree Force. And when we're going to continue to do the things that make us go forward with Ben at Pinehurst and another one of my favorite people. Like, I'm so blessed because not only through, you know, obviously you and, and DJB last year and other things we've done, Big Loud's touched a huge part of our audience. And they've been a big part of what we've done going forward. And one of the reasons is, is they're always pushing new, kind of like you and I, right? Like, we don't want to be like everybody else. It's just not our thing. And I think one of the great things it's like this year, like Paul and Austin and a lot of these guys are playing like you guys can't see it until Parksy releases the socials, but Austin's got the Callaway clubs in the back, right? Like Callaway has been a huge part of my life and they've been kind enough to really be a big part of Big Loud's life. And I'm really thankful for that because it's been allowed me a connection to get to meet more people. And one of the things I want people to take away from this pod tonight is it's like there's such a bridge between artistry, no matter what it is you do and how you do it, there's a huge passion between what we love, right? And I would go anywhere for Paul and Austin, and they know that I do anything for them, and I'm going to see them soon. But more importantly, I think one of the things they're touching is it's a faster way than golf. So you take golf, but like music gets there faster, like you can make people happy in such a different way. And I think it's awesome what they're doing in their own way. And I think between Seth and Austin and Paul and the rest of the guys, Patch and everybody else, like there's this huge thing. It's like, let's just let the world be okay. And I think music is the, it's the common denominator between all happiness. I just believe that with all of my heart, no matter what genre you believe in, something that you listen to is going to make you feel better. So I just hope that someday we get to kind of do this big, loud four Jack podcast thing where we go to Pinehurst and Ben holds us and we have this great kind of little con con excuse me, this common thought process of how do we get to just kind of express what we want to do? And I, I thank both of them for coming on tonight because they're very busy, but I wish them the biggest fucking 2023 in the history of mankind because they deserve it. And that label deserves it. They work their ass off and they've got nothing but amazing artists. And if they don't really understand what the world brings them, I think that you got to look at quality people like these two and just say, Hey, you know what? We're trying to bring this forward in a way that isn't like everybody else, much like you and I, Parksy. And it's like, how do we be different, right? Like, how do we just do things in a way that nobody really has to take? They're like, I want to, I want to ski the snow that nobody's touched. I want to do things nobody's done. And I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. And and I blessed all of you that you let me kind of be me. But Parksy, I'm appreciative that music was a big part of my life. And this is one of my favorite podcasts I've done because these two have been very honest and they've kind of let us behind the curtain. So God bless it. Well, thanks for having us on, guys. We appreciate it. And it's it's been fun to connect with you guys. You've been great having Dallas Smith on and Ernest and setting us up with Cricket, who ends up getting a vest on the cover of Morgan Wallen's album, which is just amazing. Right? Isn't that crazy? I mean. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. It really is. Right. And that, that, that's just like, it just was like, yeah. and then you think about a Hardy and you think about the videos and everything we've done and like, we're so blessed. And like one of these things that I never want to do is never, I don't ever want to forget to say thank you. So for the two of you guys allowing us to be part of this stuff and yeah, the you. bullshit that we give you guys, but more importantly, the perks we get from you guys are awesome because we've, we've met so many people. I mean, we're talking seven episodes now where Big Loud's been a part of it. So I hope you guys understand the love. Yeah, for sure. Austin, you're welcome back anytime. Paul, great to see you, buddy. 
Um, <laughs> uh, thank you guys for having us. Next time I come on, I'll tell you the Paul creamy shrimp quesadilla story nice. uh, that happened at Travis Matthew. So that'll that'll be for next oh, time. Oh, there you go. Leave our uh, listeners in suspense. Good luck with the hip replacement there, Paul, or, or wheelchair or whatever you got going on next. So sorry. I hope the office is accessible for you. I know you're getting up there in age, so it's all good. So um, I'm no longer uh, physically disabled, obviously still mentally disabled, but <laughs> getting there. Okay. So I'm going to ask one question before we sign off behind the curtain. Can the two of you explain me the sticking of the post-it notes on oh, social media? Good call. I, I, I don't have a fucking clue what you guys are doing. I blasted him about this today, actually, via text message. I'm like, <laughs> I can you explain for those that follow Big Loud? If you don't, please go to Big Loud and follow their socials. Yeah. But Paul Logan put up something again, another social, Paul Logan. <laughs> what are you guys doing with these things? So we moved into a new office recently, and there is a narrow slanted wall that many of us has had this idea like, man, I wonder if you could try and run up that. But no one's actually tried it until one day. I think Patch and I were the only two people left in the office and Patch was like, I'm trying it. And so of course I filmed it and posted it. And then it just kind of became a, a show off contest in the office to see who could who could run it up higher or do a 360 spin off. It's, it's been maybe the most engaging content I've ever posted to my 20 followers on Instagram. It's like big loud X games happening. Right? <laughs> You're yep. the floor here. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're very talented. Don't tell Austin though. Well, Austin, thank you so much. I know it's hard to catch your time because you've got a million things going on with everything in your life, but I dearly love the both of you and, and thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, we love you too, brother. We appreciate you. Yeah, I can't wait to catch up with you guys on a golf course. Truly appreciative. Oh, yeah. Very grateful. And good luck this year. Like Derek says, man, you guys are on a crazy trajectory. We wish you all the best. Thanks for the thank love, you. guys. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. <laughs>